Good morning, Genesis family. Good morning. Hello to those of you that are tuning in with us online today. Uh, if you are new or visiting, my name is Jerry. I am the campus pastor here at our Carmel location, and uh, I would love to get to meet you. So feel free to come and find me. I'll be hanging out up here after service or in the lobby. But if you're new, I'd love to meet you just to get to know you a little bit. Um, hey, today, I'm really excited for a couple of different reasons. First off, today, we are kicking off a brand new series in the book of Exodus. We're calling it The People of God. And so from today until the end of May, we're going to be working our way through Exodus. And on your way out the door today, we've got these bookmarks for you. They're at the welcome area. They've got a reading plan on the back. And so I want to invite you to grab one of those, slide it in your Bible, and join us on this journey through the book of Exodus. So that's one reason that I'm excited. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But another reason I'm excited is we're going to take some time today to celebrate celebrate what God has been doing in and through our church family over the last year. We did this a year ago where we stopped and, and instead of printing out a, an annual review or an annual report, we thought, why not just celebrate with our church family what God is doing? And so today I've got some facts and some figures to share with you, but here's what I want you to hear me say. We are not celebrating Genesis Church. We are celebrating the work that God has been doing in and through every one of us as a church family, this journey that he is inviting us onto, this journey that we get to walk with him on a regular basis. Now, my wife was reminding me this week that there's a pattern in the Old Testament that a lot of people participated in. Um, we see it when Noah got off the ark after the worldwide flood. You know the first thing that he did? He built an altar and he worshiped God for his faithfulness as a way of saying, thank you for being here with us in this time and in this way. And then Abram built an ark. Isaac, Jacob or built an ark, built an altar. They would build these altars and they would worship God in specific places at specific times as a way to remember what God had been doing. And so today we're not gonna build an altar, but we are gonna take some time to celebrate what God's been doing. And I, I need your help, okay? If at any point in time you hear something that's exciting, would you celebrate? Because otherwise you're just gonna be like, Gosh, it was a lot of a lot of numbers, a lot of lots of facts and figures. But if you hear something that's like that's really cool, we need to celebrate that. I'm giving you permission to be the first person to clap, okay? And what'll happen is everybody else will kind of just naturally clap with you because they feel sorry for me. But let's do that. We can we should celebrate these things together. So let's jump into the celebration. Last year, last September, we celebrated our 20-year anniversary as a church family. We met up at the, there you go. See you guys? That was good. There was like a little woo, and then you, you caught on. Okay, so this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see how this is going to go. But we met at the IMMI Conference Center, and we came together as one church in one location, and it was a great day. It was a great day to be reminded of God's faithfulness to this church over 20 years. And we had so much fun. And so that's, that's kind of a, a highlight from last year. But let's talk about like day-to-day -day type stuff. So every Sunday, we get to come together in an environment like this here in Carmel and in Noblesville, and we get to worship Jesus together. But I want to share a number with you that I hope gets you excited. The number is 14%. Let me tell you what this number represents. Over the last year as a church family, between our two campuses, we have grown on our Sunday morning attendance by 14%. Now, you might be wondering, well, how, what does that look like across campuses? So we... we 
typically average just under 900 people on a weekend between our two campuses, okay? That's 900 people that come together on a regular basis to worship Jesus. And that doesn't even include the people that are joining with us online. Um, here in Carmel, that averages somewhere around 380-ish people, which is exciting. But can I tell you here in Carmel, we've been growing by like 18% over the last year. We keep growing. Yes, that's exciting. That's, it. that's really exciting. If we keep growing by 18%, we're not gonna fit in this room or in this building or in this parking lot for long. And I know you've heard us talk about this a lot lately, but I wanna remind you that growth, this kind of growth, it is a really good thing because it tells us that God, his influence is with us. You are inviting your friends to come and see what Jesus is like by coming in and, and sitting in an environment like this where they can worship and they can hear biblical teaching. And I see so many of you not only inviting people, but you, you're so friendly. And I wanna encourage you, continue to be friendly. When you see someone that you don't know, go out of your way to greet them and to welcome them here. Because when I meet new people, a lot of times what they say is, your church is so friendly and welcoming. I think Jesus was probably pretty friendly and welcoming. So those are the kind of things that we can do to continue to encourage this kind of growth. And if you look out the front doors, have you noticed that this massive thing across the, uh, across the road is getting ready to be done, which means there's a lot of people are gonna be living there. And across the way here, this another development is going up. We've got more and more people living in this area and the people that are new can really, they can walk here. So we are, we are, perfectly located for continued growth. But as we grow, there's some things that you can do to help us. Some of you have probably heard me say these things, okay? So a big thing that you can do to help us is if and when you're able, if you can come to the first service, it helps us because this service is a pretty popular service, especially for people that are new or visiting. When you come to the first service, you're freeing up space in this room. We made an adjustment recently where we put the gin kids over here to worship because they were taking up the front row. The reason we did that is we're inviting all of you to move closer or to move in because every once in a while, it gets pretty crowded in here and people look around and they don't see seats. So help us free up space or look for people that are looking for seats. Invite them to sit next to you. Be friendly. You guys do this so well. If at all possible, if you can park away from the main lot here, it frees up space on a Sunday morning because if you come into our lot and you don't see a parking space and you're new, you might not stick. And we want to continue. We want to continue to grow. Guys, I'm telling you, I think we have a third service in our future, some, some, somewhere near. And that's exciting. But it is going to take all of us working together to, to make something like that happen, to keep up with this growth that God is, is sending our way. Now, you might not know this, but every week, we have a team of, of around 75 people in our worship ministry from people that play guitar to sing, uh, that work in the sound booth or on our online team. And they help create environments like this for us. 75 people, it's pretty amazing. And they are incredibly talented and gifted. And we are so thankful for them. We have a host team that serves at the front door or in the cafe that they create welcoming environments. And honestly, we would love to see our host team and our cafe team double in size because we're on a pretty skeleton crew. And so if you're, if you're wondering where you can serve, an easy place to serve is on the host team. All you have to do is pretend that you love Jesus and be friendly. And I know you guys, you can do this. Don't even pretend that you love Jesus. Love Jesus and be friendly. And you can welcome people as they come in and you can help create space and all those things, okay? So these are things that we can do to work together to enjoy the growth 
of our church. The church is meant to grow. So if you're curious about finding a place to serve, I'm gonna say this a couple times throughout the morning. Come and find me or stop by the welcome area out in the lobby, fill out a connection card and just say, I'm interested in serving because we would love to put your gifts to use to build up this church family. Now it's fun for us to talk about numbers and to compare statistics, but here's what I want you to hear me say. Healthy things grow and the church is meant to grow. We spent the majority of our time last year reading and studying through the book of Acts. And if you go back and you read through the book of Acts, the church in Acts experienced explosive growth. Like it was on the move, con- con- continually expanding all the time. And so we are blessed to be a part of a church that is growing and not declining. And so if you're tempted to think, oh, I don't want to hear about all these numbers. Guys, God's doing something and he's inviting us to be a part of it. And I think it's really, really exciting. Now, one of the areas that's fueling a lot of that growth for us is our Gen Kids ministry. All those kids that were just in here, if you ever get a chance, I wanna encourage you to sit by them and listen to them sing because you won't be able to. You will tear up. It is amazing to hear them worship the Lord. And every weekend, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of, on an average, 90 Gen Kids from birth to fifth grade that are here on a regular basis. That represents about 110 families. Okay, yes, thank you. That's, that's good. If you're, I've heard people say they love coming here and seeing kids because if you're at a church and you don't see things that are broken or like handprints on the front door, that church isn't growing. We have lots of handprints and fingerprints all over the place. It's really, really exciting. We average about 90 kids on a regular basis, but recently that number has been like 105, 110. A few weeks ago, it was 118. Now let me put that in perspective for you. Last Easter, it wasn't that high. So when I say we're growing, we're growing and we're growing with young families. Do you know what that means for our disciple-making potential going into the future? Because we believe that Gen Kids is a disciple-making environment. And parents, we believe that you are the primary disciple-maker in the life of your children, but we have a team of 90 volunteers that serve alongside your kids. And even with infants, we teach babies how to pat the Bible. We're teaching little kids what the Bible is. We're teaching them God's word. And so if you're looking for a place to serve, Gen Kids is a great place to make, to make a, a huge impact. And here's a cool number for you. Out of the 90 people that serve in Gen Kids, this is pretty incredible. 21 of them are students, middle school and high school students that are putting their faith in action by serving the next generation. I think that's worth celebrating, honestly. It is really cool to be a part of a church where students are seeing, hey, you know what? I can have an impact here. So that's really cool. If you're interested in serving in Gen Kids, find me or find Lisa Moeller. And don't assume that you know what it's gonna be like. It is not chaotic back there. Lisa runs a pretty tight ship. She does a really great job, but there's such an amazing group of people that serve back there. But we would love to see that team of 90 grow to about 105 or 110 so we can continue to expand with this growing church. Now, another, another important area of ministry for us is our student ministry. We call it GSM. That just means Genesis Student Ministry. And the number here is 17%. This represents sixth grade through 12th grade. They represent 12% of our entire church family. Okay, I have three students in our student ministry and they love our student ministry because when they come together on a Sunday night, they get to play games and have fun. 
They get to hear biblical teaching. They get to go to a small group environment. They've got great leaders that are partnering with them, that are mentoring them and showing them how to walk with Jesus. And so GSM is is an exciting area for us. And we're so encouraged that it's growing. Between our two campuses, we have like 143 middle school and high school students that are engaging in that way. And again, this this is evidence of a growing and healthy church. We have two big events that, we, that we'd love to send our, our students to over the course of the summer. The MIX Conference and the MOVE Conference. MIX is for high school, I'm sorry, MOVE is for high school students in Holland, Michigan. Last year, we sent 51 students. Um, MIX is for middle school students. It's in at Indiana Wesleyan. And my three boys have gone to these conferences. They come back exhausted and fired up in their faith. And I love seeing it. It is a catalyst for spiritual growth for them. And so I'm so thankful for you student ministry leaders that are pouring into them. And by the way, I'm sure many of you are like me and you probably remember a student ministry leader that made a huge impact in your life. And if you're looking for a place to make an impact, I want to encourage you to serve in student ministry because you know the power, you understand the power of having someone that's a little older than you, that's not your parent, that is actually cool, that's talking about Jesus and pointing, helping you follow Jesus. And so if you're curious about student ministry, find Michael Lamatuzo, find me, let's help you find a place to serve. Um, Here's some exciting news for you students and parents of students. Registration for Mix and Move just opened this week. So you can go to the What's Happening page of our website and you can register. I wanna encourage you to do that because those conferences will fill up and they are a lot of fun. Another area of growth for us is our groups ministry. And the number here is 378. But before I tell you about that number, let me tell you what's happening in our groups ministry. Um, Last fall, we had our largest group launch ever. We launched nine new groups across our two campuses. We have over 40 groups that meet throughout the community. And if you're wondering what a group is, it's a gathering of six to 10 people that meets in a cafe, they meet on campus, they meet in a home. And yes, they study scripture together. And yes, they pray for one another. But I would say just as importantly, they share life together. They walk through life together. They, it, when you're in a group, people have a line of sight on you. And, and so you have people that you can rely on when life gets difficult. You have people that you can celebrate the highs and lows of life with. And so this 378 number represents 378 adults that are connected in one of those environments across our two campuses. So I think that's really exciting. And you know why? When you read the book of Acts, I think what you see in the, from the church in the book of Acts was probably a group's ministry that exploded. And they called it the church, but it was just people meeting in smaller groups, sharing life and modeling their faith in Jesus together. Now our groups are getting ready to launch this next week. And so if you're not currently in a group, our group's pastor, Dan Tao, will be in the lobby. He'd love to talk with you about joining a group or potentially even starting a new group for us. But on top of our group's ministry, we hosted things like the Women's If Gathering, our Christmas, our Women's Christmas event, and our first ever man event. And these are invite opportunities where people can invite their friends to come Come and check out Genesis outside of a Sunday morning because this can be really intimidating for people. And so we're excited to host those types of things. Now, all of those areas I just shared with you, if you're looking at a dashboard, those are all healthy statistics. They help us know that we're moving in the right direction, that God is doing some incredible things. But I've got a couple of other areas that I think are really exciting 
And they're really exciting because they tell us about our heart as a church. So let's talk about the area of generosity. And there's three numbers I want to share with you. 558, 190, and 2.4 million. So 558 represents 558 families or individuals that gave a financial gift to support the mission of Genesis Church, helping people find their way back to God. 558, that's pretty incredible. But if you're going to celebrate, celebrate this number. 190 of them gave for the first time last year. That's 34%, okay? That's 190 people that took a step of faith to trust God with their finances that believed in the mission of this church enough to say, you know what? I think I'll give. Even if they just gave once, that's pretty incredible. And our collective generosity added up to $2.4 million. Okay, so that, that funds our annual operating budget. You can clap. Even if it's an awkward clap, you can clap, okay? It's okay to have awkward claps. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, where does all of that money go? Well, we run it through a pretty simple filter. How's it going to help people find their way back to God? Now, you might notice that over the last year or so, we've been renovating our campuses here and in Noblesville because this is, where, this is a place where people meet and we want them to be updated and relevant because people gather here. We want to use this building outside of Sunday morning. So those funds help renovate spaces like this. They help pay our leases and keep the lights on. A big portion of that goes to support our, our, staff, our staff costs. And as a staff member, I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing our staff to serve you and our community in this way. You didn't have to clap for that one, but thank you. Thank you. And um, we've got growing ministries. Do you know how nice it is to have a budget when, you're, when your ministry is growing and saying, hey, we need a little extra money to help with this or with that? That's, as a staff family, it is really cool for us to know that we have funds that we can rely on to help grow those ministries. And of course, this is important, there's the bagels. We were able to serve over 12,000 bagels between our two campuses last year, right? Yes, there it is. There it is. I knew I'd find a way to your heart somewhere. Okay, that's a lot of carbs, but we're a healthy growing church and, and we need to feed all those people, right? But believe it or not, those bagels are a really important part of what we do because it creates a welcoming environment. When people come in, something about having something to eat and something to drink, it takes everybody's anxiety down a little bit, gives people a reason to stand and talk. So thanks for helping us buy all those bagels. Now, here's another exciting statistic for you. Let's talk about our outreach ministry. And two numbers for you, 351,000 and 14.6%, okay? That 351,000, that represents money that we were able to give away outside of the doors of this church and it equates to about 14.6% of our total budget. Now, let me tell you why this matters. Before you celebrate, let me remind you why this matters. Back in November, we went through a series on living generously, the value of living generously towards God. And we said, it's, it's important that we give back to God as a way to trust him. We said, a great practice is to learn to tithe, to give 10%, to say, okay, God, I believe that you can do more with what I have. I'm gonna trust you. Well, as a church family, we're practicing that. We're exceeding that. I don't know. I can't remember of a year that we've ever been able to give away this much. And so I wanna say thanks to you because this is an example of our heart as a church family being generous back to God. So if you want to celebrate now, you can celebrate because I think that's really exciting. 
That $351,000 allowed us again this year for the third or fourth year in a row to adopt schools on Giving Tuesday and to bless them and saying, thank you for serving the community with us. That $351,000 allows us to bless our ministry partners around the world. It allows us to help people and our church family and our communities that are hurting. Um, because of your generosity with the Christmas offering, we were able to decrease the cost of Superstart for our uh, third through fifth graders by 28%. We were able to say, oh, we're going to send you a, a check back for people that, that, that had signed up their child because of your generosity. We were able to hold the cost steady for mix and move instead of having those costs go up. That's what, that's the power of collective generosity. Okay, so I want to encourage us to keep going in this way. But let me show you where we're having an impact around the world. Here's a list of our global partners. When you give to Genesis Church, you're helping to advance the name of Jesus, the mission of the church in all of these different places. And then let me show you some of our local partners as well. These are in Noblesville and in Fortville and in Indianapolis, Miami. So guys, when we, when we give, when we practice generosity, it's not just here for us, it's for others in lots of different places. And I love, I love, I am so excited to be a part of a generous church family. Now, we are not celebrating what we've done. We're celebrating what God's been able to do through all of us. And I wanna take a moment to stop and pray and to thank God. And I wanna encourage you when you leave here today to do the same on your own. Just thank him for what God is doing in and through churches like Genesis. So would you pray with me? Father, we wanna say thank you. Thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to save us and to rescue us. Thank you for sending us the gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to empower us. Thank you for the gift of the church, your people engaged in your mission of helping people find their way back to you through relationship with your son. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of a healthy, growing church. We, we would not claim to be perfect here at Genesis, but it is so exciting to see new faces on a regular basis. It is so exciting to see life change. It is so exciting to see young kids and students growing and serving in our church family. Would you help us to never take these things for granted? I hope every year we're able to celebrate just like this so we can say, look at what God is doing. Would you guide us on this journey this year through the book of Exodus and help us to see you in new and fresh ways, Jesus? Would you continue to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine for the glory of your name. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to turn a corner and I want to give you some highlights through the book of Exodus and then we're going to jump into Exodus next week. If you're not familiar with the book of Exodus, it's really easy to find. It's the second book in the Bible, the second book of the Old Testament. Okay, you can find it really easily. Um, and the word Exodus simply means a going out or a departure. The book of Exodus tells the story of God leading his people, Israel, out of their slavery in Egypt and into the promised land that he had promised their patriarch, Abraham, back in Genesis 12. So here's the first thing to learn about Exodus is it is a continuation of the book of Genesis. God isn't telling a different story. It's a continuation of that same story. And my guess is that in a room this size, some of us are very familiar with Exodus, Maybe some of us have read it before. Some of us have never heard of it. But my guess is 
you're probably familiar with some of the images that are found in the book of Exodus. Images like a baby floating down a river in a basket. God speaking through a burning bush, a river that's turned to blood, the angel of death, death passing through the land of Egypt, people crossing the Red Sea on dry ground, manna coming down from heaven, water gushing out of a rock in the desert, and God leading the Israelites through a pillar of cloud and fire. So those are some familiar images. Those are stories that we're going to be studying over the next, over the next few weeks. It's believed that the, the account of Exodus was written down around 1440 to 1260 BC. So roughly 3,200 to 3,400 years ago. So we're going to be studying ancient literature. And according to Jewish tradition, Exodus was written by a man named Moses. In fact, there's a phrase that's repeated throughout the book of Exodus where God tells Moses, Moses, write this down. So it points to Moses being the author of the book. Now, all of that's good to know. It's helpful to know. But I want to wrap up today by, by showing you six themes that we're going to see play out as we begin this journey through the book of Exodus. And the first theme might seem really obvious, but I think we got to start here. Exodus tells us about the character of God. First and foremost, we learn about the character of God. You could read Exodus and think that Moses is the main character and that Moses is the hero, but he's not. God is the hero of the story because it's God that reveals himself to Moses at the burning bush as the great I am. It's God that cries, um, that hears the cries of the people of Israel in bondage. And it's God that takes pity on their suffering. It's God that raises up a deliverer for the people of Israel. And it's God that brings the plagues against the people of Egypt. It's God that parted the Red Sea and used those same waters to destroy Pharaoh's army. It's God that provided bread from heaven and water from a rock. It's God who gave his covenant law at Mount Sinai. And it's God who in the end, it's his presence that fills the tabernacle so that people can see and experience the presence of God. So from beginning to end, Exodus is a book that is centered around the character of God. It is a theological history of God's role as the redeemer of the people of Israel. He is a God that is kind and compassionate. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is full of love. But he's also a God that deserves our devotion and our worship. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the weeks to come. Now, here's a second theme. This might not seem as obvious to you. But Exodus is also a foreshadowing of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. We're going to see Jesus a lot in the story of the Exodus. Someone once said that Jesus lived out his life on the pages of Exodus. And I just want you to think about the connections here. Exodus begins with an act of genocide where Pharaoh says, we're gonna kill all the Israelite baby boys. Jesus's life began in Israel when the king said, we're gonna kill all the Israelite baby boys in this little area. And that that caused Jesus and his family to move to Egypt. So those stories are, are, are closely intertwined. Exodus um, also is the story of God calling his people out of Egypt. And we see this take place very early in Jesus's life. They fled there and then God calls them back to the land of Israel. Um, God brought the people of Israel through the waters of the Red Sea 
And in Jesus's life, God called Jesus into the waters and out of the waters of baptism. The people of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness and Jesus begins his ministry setting aside 40 days alone with God in the wilderness. Here's a really cool one. Moses received the law from God at Mount Sinai. And when Jesus began his ministry, he went up on a mountain where he gave the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm telling you, if you read the book of Exodus, look for the history of Israel, but pay attention to where you see Jesus all throughout the story. It's pretty fascinating. Another theme is the theme of salvation. Exodus gives us a picture of the gospel, God's great work in redemption and salvation. Exodus is going to help us understand Jesus's eventual death on the cross. Because in Exodus, we learn that God saved the people of Israel from a life of physical slavery. But in the New Testament, we learn that Jesus has come to set us free from the slavery of sin and death. In Exodus, we see how the people of Israel slaughter a Passover lamb and trusting that God's going to save them But in the New Testament, we learn that Jesus is the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. Another theme that's found in the book of Exodus is this this theme of God's mission for humanity. It's easy for us to think that God's mission for humanity started when Jesus was born and came as our rescuer. But really, God's mission was way back in Genesis God created us to have a relationship with him, but then sin entered into the world and God said, okay, I'll send a Messiah one day who will make this relationship right. And all throughout the Old Testament, we're waiting for this Messiah to be revealed. He's revealed in the person of Jesus. And we find that Jesus calls us on mission to take his name to the ends of the earth. So you can see how the mission of God plays throughout the, the, the book of Exodus. Another theme is the value of human life. Very early on in the book of Exodus, see if these themes play into today. We learn about caring for unborn children. We're going to see themes of racism and and murder. We're going to learn how God can use weak, ordinary people to accomplish his purpose. We're going to learn about the importance of worship, the nature of community, how to rely on God for everything we need each day. It even speaks on the importance of taking counsel from people around you, the importance of obeying God's word and the difference between idolatry and true worship. And the last theme that we're we're gonna talk about in the weeks to come is the theme of idolatry. We're getting ready to set out on a journey together as a church family as we read through Exodus. And I I think this is gonna really challenge us because it's tempting for us to think that our identity... Our identity is found in the work that we do, in the money that we make, in the things that we have. But what we see in the book of Exodus is that God defines his identity for his people. Let me show you what I mean. In Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, we read this. God is speaking to Moses. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So God is predicting everything he's getting ready to do. He's saying, Moses, pay attention. This is how it's going to work. But then he says this in verse 7. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. 
God is making an identity statement for the people. Some translations say, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. He's saying, let me define reality for you. I have a plan for you. I love you in ways you can't even imagine. And I want you to experience the fullness of life through knowing me. So that tells us that just like the Israelites, our identity isn't tied up in our sexuality, our gender, our political preferences, or your past, or your job, or anything that you think that you're finding, like that's your identity. God says, no, I have come to rescue and redeem you. I have come to adopt you into my family. I've come to fill you with my spirit through faith in my son. Now, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. If you haven't heard, we're in the midst of an election year. And if you haven't heard, it is shaping up to be a circus. We've been here before, right? And we anticipate the enemy using all of this stuff to divide people in every way imaginable, outside of these walls and even inside these walls. We've seen it happen before. It's important that we learn how to live as the people of God. We need to learn where our identity rests so we can show the world a different way to live because everyone everywhere is looking for someone and we should be people pointing to Jesus and saying, he's the answer. He's not running for president. He's gonna come again one day to rule and reign forever. And so we need to learn how to live so people can learn how to follow him and come in contact with him. Now this leads me to one more really important number to share with you. This is an exciting number, but it's a number that we need to see grow. Last year as a church family, we were able to celebrate 36 baptisms. 36. You, can, you should celebrate that. I think that's the most important number of the day. 36 kids and students and adults that moved from death to life. 36 people that learned that their identity can rest in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. 36 people that learned, I don't have to try hard to make God happy. I can embrace his grace and live for him. Now that's an exciting number, but we wanna see this number grow, not for the sake of a number, but that's the work that God has called and created his church to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we point people to Jesus and they come in contact with Jesus at a place like Genesis, they are really curious and they wanna step into a relationship with him. And so as we wrap up, here's, I, want, I want us to do something together. I want you to think, of one person that you know that does not know Jesus. Not somebody going to a different church, they don't count. One person that you know that if they were to leave this earth today, they would not go and be with God because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Now I was gonna have you say that name out loud, but they might be sitting next to you. So don't do that, keep it to yourself. But I'm gonna give you a moment to pray for them. And wouldn't it be cool if in a year, when we show up to celebrate again, if we were able to say, my friend, my neighbor, my brother, my spouse, my parent. So take a moment, lift that name up to God because he hears it and then we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna to worship together. So go ahead.
Father, we worship you as the creator of life. In the very beginning, you spoke and things spun into motion. And at the heart of that, you created a man and a woman to have a relationship with you. And you told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And we see that story playing out in scripture, but we also see how humanity has rebelled against you. But even in that moment, you said, okay, well, I'm gonna send someone who will make it all right. And we are so thankful that that person has been revealed in you, Jesus. And we're thankful that through your faithfulness, you would use imperfect people like us who have discovered you, Jesus, that you would trust us to carry the presence of your spirit with us everywhere that we go. And we are so imperfect. Just like the Israelites, we complain and we gripe and we mess it up, but you use us anyway. And so we are thankful that you continue to grow the ministry of Genesis Church, but you don't do it for us. You do it because you are faithful and you are good and you want to use us to reach others for you. So when we, as we celebrate today, would you help us to keep that at the forefront of our mind? And whenever we're tempted to be proud of Genesis Church, would you help us to be thankful for Jesus Christ? Thankful for the gift of your spirit. Thankful that we live in a place where we can share our faith. Would you help us to be bold with how we share? And Father, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask that those names that we just lifted up to you, those souls that matter so much to you, would you do an incredible work and in more than any amount of money that we can give or give away, we would love to see people come to faith in you. And we would love to see those people share their faith in you. And we would love to see this church grow by people making disciples that make disciples. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know how long we'll be on this property. We don't know how long we'll be at two services. And honestly, none of it matters because you've got it all under control anyway. We are trusting you to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Let it be for your glory. And if you see fit, would you please use us and invite us on the journey with you? Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?